Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Pitts Evans. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. Let's get right to the Word of God. 2 Samuel chapter 10. In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son, Hanun, succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanun, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanun concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanun, their lord, Do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you only to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanun seized David's envoys, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their garments at the buttocks, and sent them away. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. The king said, Stay at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then come back. When the Ammonites realized that they had become obnoxious to David, they hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers from Beth Rohob in Zobah, as well as the king of Mekah with a 1,000 men, and also 12,000 men from Tob. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. The Ammonites came out and drew up in battle formation at the entrance of their city gate, while the Arameans of Zorbah and Rehob and the men of Tob and Mekah were by themselves in the open country. Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Arameans. He put the rest of the men under the control of Abishai, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. Joab said, If the Arameans are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to rescue you. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites realized that the Arameans were fleeing, they fled before Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab returned from fighting the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. After the Arameans saw that they had been routed by Israel, they regrouped. Hadadezer had Arameans brought from beyond the Euphrates River. They went to Helam with Shobak, the commander of Hadadezer's army, leading them. When David was told of this, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan, and went to Helam. The Arameans formed their battle lines to meet David and fought against him. But they fled before Israel, and David killed 700 of their charioteers and 40,000 of their foot soldiers. He also struck down Shobak, the commander of their army, and he died there. When all the kings who were vassals of Hadadezer saw that they had been routed by Israel, they made peace with the Israelites and became subject to them. So the Arameans were afraid to help the Ammonites anymore. And so once again, David's um, conquests are legendary 
But this chapter starts out with um, David wanting to pay tribute to a former ally among the Ammonites. And so the king of the Ammonites died. Uh, This was Nahash, who had been kind to David in the past, and his son Hanun succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express sympathy. But this was misunderstood. The Ammonite commanders saw David's delegation, and they went to Hanun and said, you know, these people are not up to any good. You think that um, uh, David is really planning to honor your father, to express sympathy? No, that's not his intent. And they said, hasn't David only sent them to you to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? And so the Ammonite king insults David's emissaries and, by extension, insults David deliberately. He seized uh, David's envoys and shaved off half of each man's beard and cut off their garments at the buttocks and sent them away. Now, let me just pause for a second. I would have been um, mortified if they cut my, my garment off at the buttocks, using the biblical word, and uh, made me go home with half of my pants or whatever missing. But there was actually a greater affront, the shaving off half of the man's beard. In our day and time, two things. Many of you have seen Orthodox Jewish men with the sides of their beards grown long. And this is um, uh, in an attempt to stick with the Torah admonition against shaving the edges of the beard. They were not to shave the edges of the beard. And so to cut off one side of the beard was um, to break their religious tradition against doing this. That was part of it. But in our day also, besides the fact that you've probably seen these Orthodox with the long sideburn ringlets, you know, trying to observe this, you've certainly seen uh, Muslim men with facial hair. And so in Islam, it would be a tremendous offense uh, to cut off a portion of an observant uh, Muslim's beard would have been terribly offensive. And so this was deliberately um, provocative from a religious perspective. They were disrespecting uh, Israel's religious tradition, you know, as I mentioned, from observing the Torah and not cutting the corners of your beard. And so David was told about the, the way the messengers were treated and they were humiliated, and then um, uh, David responded, stay there in Jericho until your beards have grown back, and then you can come back. You won't be so humiliated um, with your your beards half cut off. But the Ammonites realized that they had offended David, and so they went to the Armenians and hired 20,000 mercenaries and um, another 12,000 mercenaries from another source. And they all came out against the armies of Israel. And so David sent Joab, who was the captain of the army, out to meet them. And uh, Joab um, brought his brother, Abishai, who was also a leader and a valiant warrior. Now, Joab, in the course of time, becomes kind of a questionable character. You know, at one point, um, we already mentioned that he murdered Abner um, against the wishes of David, and so Joab is going to do several other things in the life of David that were, were negative. But here he seems to be valiant, and he also seems to be virtuous. You know, he um, puts his fate in the hands of the Lord. And so in verse 9, we read, Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him. 
So he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Aramines. He put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. And Joab said, If the Aramines are too strong for me, then you're to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and rescue you. And so he was putting forward a proposal that didn't allow for both enemies to be too strong for both Joab and Abishai. His reasoning was that one of us will be able to help the other. Even if that wasn't sound logic, he was um, willing to bravely go out and fight. And then Joab said in verse 12, the Lord will do what is good in his sight. And so Joab um, uh, recognized the battle belongs to the Lord. Joab on some level had faith in Yahweh, and he expressed this faith publicly on this occasion. So lo and behold, Joab and Abishai prevail, and some of the the enemies retreat to a certain city. David's told of it. He gathers all um, the rest of Israel's army and and goes out and defeats the the remnants, and all the kings um, uh, were routed, and they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. But I, I just want to dig down just for a second on Joab. As I said, Joab was valiant. Joab was brave. Joab was a warrior. On some level, Joab was a godly man. Uh, He mentioned this, the Lord will do what's good in his sight. In other words, he was committing himself and the armies of Israel into the hands of the Lord. All that was virtuous. But there was also something in Joab's nature that was uh, contrary, manipulative, and bloody. And many people have like this mixture with their relationship with the Lord. They have certain good attributes and certain bad attributes. In fact, I would go so far as to say all of us have certain good things and certain bad things. But in our case, friends, we have the righteousness of Jesus. We don't come to the Lord in the fullness of time explaining to him what good people we were. We simply point to the righteousness of Jesus. And we say, according to the scriptures, we want to be judged by his righteous life and not our own lives. And uh, we ask the Lord that today. And so, Lord, we ask that where we have shortcomings in our lives, just like Joab has had in his, Lord, we ask that you would see us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, we have accepted his substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. And Lord, we ask you that we would live virtuously in as much as it's possible. But Lord, in the fullness of time, please judge us on the righteousness of Christ and not on our own righteousness, which the Bible says are like filthy rags or filthy garments. We pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.